electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. And we will all be all over that blowout, Wilf. I'm Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Adami, Tim Seymour, Dan Nathan, and Karen Feinerman. Tonight on Fast, a barrage of big-name earnings hitting the street. We'll break down the after-hours action in Tesla, Chipotle, the aforementioned burrito blowout, CSX, Whirlpool, and Las Vegas Sands, plus Pinterest popping on not one, but two big upgrades. We'll dive into the dual calls that sent that stock soaring. And later, Bitcoin breaking out to its highest levels of the year as PayPal gives it a big green light. Why one crypto pro is calling today's move a giant stamp of approval for the entire crypto space. We start off with an earnings alert on Tesla. Shares driving higher in the after hours on a strong beat. Let's get straight to Phil LeBeau for the numbers. Phil. Hey, Melissa, when you take a look at shares of Tesla, they're moving higher because generally speaking, both the top and the bottom line, yes, they are better than expected. That's obvious. But also the numbers within the numbers, not as bad as some people may at first blush uh, have thought. Let's start first off with Tesla posting better than expected earnings per share of 76 cents per share. 57 cents per share was the estimate from analysts. The revenue coming in at $8.77 billion, again, better than expected. And then there are the numbers within the numbers. The operating margin of 9.2%. That's a little below what many analysts were expecting, uh, but you have to factor in a number of things there. And generally speaking, as we take a look at what the analysts are saying now, uh, they can they can live with that at this point. Free cash flow, $1.4 billion. The vehicle selling price, it did decline slightly, which is not a surprise given the fact that you have the Model Y, which is uh, going into deliveries now on a broader scale. And speaking of deliveries, this is the news that uh, certainly a number of investors were looking for. Total deliveries this year, the target has been all along at least a half million vehicles. Tesla reaffirming that in this earnings report, also saying that it expects to start delivering vehicles from the gigafactories that are being built in Germany, as well as in Austin, Texas. One last thing is to take a look at shares of Tesla over the last six months. The stock-based compensation expense, remember that 2018 pay package for Elon Musk? Well, they took a hit because of that. It was up 56%. Not a surprise, given the fact that they have hit some of the metrics that unlocked some of the big pay packages for Elon Musk. The conference call, Melissa, it starts in about 25 minutes. We're going to hop on there. We'll see which Elon Musk we get this time. Is it the rather subdued one that we've seen over the last couple of quarters or perhaps one who makes a few comments that get some attention tomorrow? We'll let you know. Oh, I hope it's the latter, Phil. I do hope it is the latter. Um, I wanted to ask you as well, because I was listening to the conversation on Closing Bell, and Mark Fields, uh, formerly of Ford, was mentioning the uh, regulatory credits, the sale of the regulatory right. credits. At this point, it seems like it's a much smaller percent of total yes. automotive revenue. Does that Absolutely. bear case completely go away? I don't know if it completely goes away. I mean, that argument's going to be there for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just saw one uh, report saying that the gross profit per vehicle was up, uh, I think, uh, $1,100 per vehicle. Um, it's that kind of thing, that, that gross profit per vehicle. As that goes up, increasingly you hear less uh, conversation about the ZEV credits. Yep. All right, Phil, thanks. Uh, keep us posted. Phil LeBeau in Chicago we'll on Tesla. Guy Adami. Mm. Lived up to expectations. Stock is up in the after-hour session. This is not necessarily something that one might have expected given the huge run. 
I'm surprised it's not up more, to be honest with you. 39% revenue growth year over year, 9.2, I think, percent operating margins. And their cash position, remember, two years ago we were talking about uh, how dire their cash position was, and we were talking about it for good reason. Now they're really in a position of strength in terms of the money they raised in their balance sheet. So good for Tesla. And I'll say for the 50th time, I'm not going to pretend I've been some raging Tesla bull, but what I have said is ever since May, I think it was May 1st or 2nd, uh, when the stock was making an all-time high pre-split of $700, and Elon Musk tweeted, I'm paraphrasing, that the stock was too expensive or something to that effect. The sell-off lasted a day. It's been off to the races ever since. Uh, again, I'm surprised it's not higher than it is, and I wouldn't be surprised to see it take out the recent all-time high uh, of 502 or whatever that was post-split. Yeah, it was uh, 502.49. Good memory, Guy. Not a surprise either. Um, in terms of the cash position, cash and cash equivalents, $5.9 billion at the end of the quarter. And that was primarily due to that big capital raise, which they wisely did, Karen. They took advantage of that huge run. Yeah, right. As Guy said, you know, we were talking about the dire situation where their bonds used to trade. And that obviously was one of the main um, elements of the bear case, and that is just not relevant at all. So they've done a very good job of both balance sheet engineering, but also through delivering, through the business, through being able to actually turn a profit. So good for them. You know, it's still crazy expensive for me. Um, you know, there was a lot to like about the quarter. It's interesting, somewhat subdued reaction. I don't know. Sometimes, I mean, the stock seems to me somewhat dislocated from the underlying fundamentals. So I'd never short it, but I'm not long. Yeah, we're up to 3.8% in the after-hour session. Are we, though, at a point when it seems like the coast is clear in terms of, uh, you know, the big bear case pillars um, in the market? The coast is clear in terms of those, uh, but the actual competition is starting to ramp up. I mean, Phil Lebeau was talking about the electrified Hummer last night. Uh, we were talking, you know, we've been talking about an electrified Mustang, an electrified F-150 pickup. I mean, finally, are we at the day where there is potentially, Tim, feasible competition? Well, if you ask people in Norway, they're, they're apparently they're, they're buying the Volkswagen ID3, you know, with more demand than all Tesla models. That's such a small market. But I think the competitive landscape is, is certainly coming to the fore. That's always been an argument. I, I think we've, we've certainly flagged the right issues, whether they're balance sheet issues that are just not there right now. Um, I, I, you know, not surprisingly, being skeptical on this story, uh, I read those delivery numbers and those headlines as we might get to 500,000, that, that there are delivery, there are logistics, there are issues um, that, that indicate 500,000 uh, 500, vehicles is not a certainty. Um, they talked about how they now have 500,000 in capacity for the Model 3 out of Fremont. Um, so let's not confuse the two. Uh, and the EV credits numbers are still up two and a half times what they were a year ago. Uh, accounts receivable are higher. Accounts payable are higher. Um, there's no denying that the, the, the balance sheet issues are off the table. The profitability issues, I, I think, are not entirely clear. Um, and if you were counting on, you know, it, the, the stock to have outperformed in the aftermarket, I think you're going to need to see something much more emphatic on deliveries. I'm not saying that there aren't reasons in this environment where they couldn't point to 500,000 being a challenge, but they didn't say uh, on the tape that they're going to get to 500,000 in my view. Dan, here's a would you rather. For the next 12 months, yeah. in terms of percentage gain, a bigger percentage gain for Tesla or General Motors? Uh, you know, probably General Motors. I mean, I, I think the point 
that the, these guys all made a lot of great points. Here's the thing. This is a $400 billion car company, okay? And so when you think about it, it's up 400% this year alone. It's kind of stalled out a little bit, up only 3.5%. The options market was applying nearly a 9% move in either direction. One of the reasons for that is that the shorts have thrown in the towel. Short interest is at the lowest levels it's been in years. I think it's about 7 or so percent. It's really interesting also when you think about the analyst community, they're totally off sides on this one. There's only eight buy ratings, there's 16 holds, there's 12 sells, you know, so it's kind of like everyone's just kind of thrown in the towel, yet we haven't seen the upgrades, and, and thankfully no, because I think those analysts who upgraded up here with a $400 billion market cap, uh, they should be looking to do something else in a year from now, especially if that competition does come to four. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, at 13 times sales, I, you look at whatever metric you want, it just doesn't make sense to me, but it hasn't made sense to me uh, most of this year. Let's get more on Tesla's quarter. Bring in Fast Money friend and Loop Ventures founder, Gene Munster. Gene, good to see you again. Hi, Melissa. What would be your first question to Elon Musk on that call uh, at 530? Uh, are you going to throw a lifeline to traditional auto? Because I don't think that this maps out well. And I think it's uh, ultimately uh, around battery efficiencies and gross margin. What they're building right now needs to be replicated. And uh, that would be my first question. I, I do want to mention, too, is that I think it's important in this conversation to extract the emotion out of this. The emotion is looking at a chart that looks like a crypto chart that has been a long time cautionary tale for any investor. And uh, I want to extract that and focus on the fundamentals here. Gross margin per vehicle X credits increased to call it 23% up from about 19% last quarter. That's really important because as they can make more on each car, they can either continue to lower the cost of the car or deliver more earnings to investors. That makes it more difficult for competition. So, and second is on the delivery target and agree with Tim that they may or may not get there, but let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say they get there. That implies call it 56%, uh, excuse me, 63% year over year delivery growth in the December quarter. That's an acceleration from call it 43% in the uh, previous quarter. And they're doing that with Model Y just in North America and France. And so uh, effectively they still have a product Model Y that could be half of their auto sales. And then the last piece, and this is something that we rarely talk about, is what they're doing around energy storage and generation. It's small, 7% of their business. Uh, it accelerated, it grew at 44% year over year. It was flat last quarter. It's an example of Tesla taking technology that they've pioneered in auto and applying it to new markets. And I think when you put all this together from a fundamental perspective, I'm surprised the stock's not up more. And then separately, I think uh, we can have a discussion about valuation. That's a whole different topic. But Tesla is a company that has flaws. Elon Musk is far from perfect. This is no Apple when it comes to compliance and uh, kind of its strict uh, attention to detail. But it is a company that ultimately, I think, is progressing and going to gain huge market share in auto over the next decade. All right, Gene, uh, thanks for your time. We'll check back in with you uh, as the call gets underway. Let's turn meantime to another earnings mover this afternoon. Shares of Chipotle dropping after its results. Kate Rogers got the details. Kate? Hey, Melissa. Well, despite that drop, it was a really strong quarter for the company. EPS and revenues both beat. This is the 12th straight quarter the company's done so. Same store sales also increased by 8.3%, surpassing expectations from analysts. And digital sales tripled year on year up 
202.5% and representing nearly half of sales. Half of digital sales also came from delivery. CEO Brian Nichols said the stickiness of digital helped to support this quarter's strong results, adding that in October, digital strength continued. Ten restaurants remain closed. About 85% have some limited in-store or patio dining available. The rest, of course, have to-go offerings. Carne Asada's return is performing well with guests, Nichols said, and cauliflower rice and quesadillas are both also being tested right now. He added that he's optimistic that quesadillas will be available nationwide at some point in the future. The company said it now has 17 million enrolled Chipotle Rewards members. Many of those are new users, he added, not old customers that have just switched over to the digital platform. The stock was up 60% for the year as of today's close. It's the best performer in the restaurant space so far this year. CEO Brian Nickel will join us exclusively on the Halftime Report tomorrow at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. So tune in for more on that, Melissa. Back over to you. All right, Kate. Thank you, Kate Rogers. Uh, and the setup, obviously, is very important in terms of how it's trading right now in the after-hour session. Just in the past two weeks, there are five analyst price target increases to shares of Chipotle. There is a lot of optimism uh, going into this report, especially surrounding margins and how this is a big margin story, Dan. Yeah, it, it is a big margin story. I mean, listen, you know, when you look at the earnings growth that is expected next year, you're looking at 100 percent. Now, obviously, um, it was down 20 percent this year. So I think all of these efficiencies, these investments in tech, the delivery, um, all this sort of stuff will help those margins. And that's why you're expecting this 100 percent incline year over year. But I, I just kind of you know, look at the revenue line, too, here. You know, you're looking at maybe, um, I don't know, mid-teens percent um, revenue growth. So really, what is the opportunity here on the revenue side? And I'm just not sure it's kind of there. They might have kind of squeezed out or pulled forward a lot of that demand on the margin front, in my opinion. Yeah. Guy, you've been a fan of Chipotle. Yeah, and I thought the burrito blowout that Wilf even talked about, which is shocking to me, that Wilfred Frost and his pedigree would say burrito blowout in the same sentence uh, is, is just remarkable. That said, I thought the blowout would be to the upside. Now, technicians, the Carter Worst of the world, will point to this potential for a double top from the September 2nd high of 1385. You know, you look at it, I think the only thing that's disappointing to me was restaurant margins came in at 19.5%, which was better than expected, but worse than a year ago this quarter. I think people are looking for better um, I still think you can buy the stock. Finally, maybe people say valuation is caught up. I disagree. 48.5% of the di- of the mix is now digital. Uh, 203% growth. That's, it's all very strong numbers. I think people just took this as an opportunity to take profits in the name. I stay with the name CMG. Tim, McDonald's or Chipotle? McDonald's. And, and uh, you know, last time I checked, a burrito blowout was, was not something anyway. Um, I, I, when I look at Chipotle, it's got a valuation of a tech company. I mean, come on. Same store sales growth of 8%, 8% uh, with a 94 PE. Yeah, I understand what digital has been, but this is a fast, casual business. And so, so color me very wrong on the stock for a long time, but I, I wouldn't be uh, changing my tune at this point. Um, I'm, I, look, their loyalty program is impressive. Their digital is impressive. Uh, delivery costs were weighing down margins. Um, they've talked about uh, not normalizing until, you know, fourth quarter into next year. And let's see where things go. So uh, great story. So much good in the price. I, I don't know why you chase it even uh, down. People are waiting to, to buy weakness. I, I think you should wait more. It's the way of the world, though, for, for people to assign tech valuations to companies that use tech very effectively. You see that 
with uh, this. You see that you saw it with Domino's on the massive rise higher in the back of their investment in digital. You see it with Amazon. Amazon is a bookseller. It's a retailer. But yet it gets that multiple because it does its business online. And you're seeing with Peloton as well, Karen. Yeah, the Peloton, I, I don't know what to make of the Peloton. I mean, if you look at it on a per subscriber basis, that's kind of crazy. Obviously, the story is on future subscribers, but I'm not sure how many there are. But uh, just back to Chipotle for a second. I mean, the margin seemed to be, you know, the thing weighing on the stock. And there were a couple of things in the margin that uh, I think of sort of one-offs. Obviously, the pressure on delivery, that mix is a little less good margin. Uh, fewer high-margin beverage, uh, high beverages, they cited, so that's a little bit. But then things like uh, beef prices being higher and them having a beef, you know, carne asada promotion or whatever it is, th that's something that I see as somewhat fleeting. So the margin pressure, I think, will, I, I think that story will change a little bit. All that having been said, though, it is just priced to perfection. This was a really good quarter, but it's not perfection. And so this is one I've been on the sidelines for a long time, like a Peloton. I like the product Chipotle. I like the product Peloton, but I don't like the valuations. Coming up, the will they, won't they drama still running high on Capitol Hill as we await a COVID relief bill. We'll get the very latest from Washington, D.C. right after this break. Plus, the social stock soaring today, but one of our traders says today's moves are anything but healthy. We'll bring you that trade when Fast Money returns. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. That's right. We are holding out for a hero as lawmakers continue to grapple over the next round of COVID aid. And today there was a $500 billion setback in the Senate. But signs of some late day progress in two key players. Let's get the latest with Elon Moy. Elon. Melissa, the Treasury Secretary and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi were back on the phone again this afternoon. Their conversation lasted for 48 minutes, and her office said that differences continue to be narrowed on health priorities, including language providing a national strategic testing and contact tracing plan. But more work needs to be done to ensure that schools are the safest places in America for children to learn. Now, Pelosi and the Treasury Secretary will keep hammering away at this deal tomorrow even as White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows raises the prospect that Pelosi may no longer be negotiating in good faith. We've done our best to try to compromise not once but four different times on proposals. We haven't seen a lot of action from Speaker Pelosi. Uh, most of the, the progress we've made have been concessions that the President has made today. 
Now, our own polling with Change Research shows that likely voters across battleground states overwhelmingly want lawmakers to act. 62 percent said that passing another relief bill should be the Senate's top priority. Only 38 percent said the Supreme Court should top the agenda. But, Melissa, that is exactly the opposite of how the Senate plans to proceed. Back over to you. All right, Elon, thank you. Elon Moy in Washington. Well, the stimulus stalemate is leading us to our chart of the day, and we've actually got two for you tonight. Check out the action of the 10-year yield rising to its highest level since June. And take a look at the dollar. The greenback actually tumbling to its lowest levels in more than a month. Guy, this is something that you tweeted out early today. What do you make of this move? I think that's a really unhealthy mix, Uh, a witch's brew as we get closer to Halloween. A a failing dollar, you know, a a precipitously dropping dollar, in my opinion, with yields going higher, it doesn't augur well for the stock market. It does augur well, and Tim can speak to this, for the resource stocks that we've been talking about, Cleveland Cliffs, Freeport, McMoran. I mean, we've been all over that, I think, for quite some time now. So I think that's very positive for those names. But for the broader market, it's not particularly good. You know, you have a falling dollar, rising rates. Inflation is here, folks, and rates aren't rising because the economy is magically doing better. Far from it. I'll say this in terms of stimulus, and Dan and I had a bit of a tiff a couple Mondays ago. You know, I still think something gets done probably tomorrow. I think the president will take a victory lap during the debate, and I think the market for a day or two will like that. I happen to also think it's a sell-the-news event. Yeah. Tim? Uh, First thing, I need a better song than I Need a Hero by Bonnie Tyler. Uh, the, The story on the cheaper dollar and higher yields. Look at copper at almost three-year highs, certainly two-and-a-half-year highs. Uh, look at the move that we've seen in some of those resource plays. But, but I think the bond market's telling you that you're going to get something done. I know there are structural reasons why bond yields could be moving higher, sheer supply issues uh, and dynamics that the Fed can't entirely control. Uh, but it, 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 to me, the bond market's what I would be following. And it's, it's not going to get away from you on the upside. But those trades, and those include emerging markets, if the dollar continues to deteriorate, and, and look at the EEM or the VWO or whatever ETF you want to look at, that now also have a lot of big cap tech at the top of their balance sheets. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're also investing in tech with Taiwan Semi, Alibaba, Samsung, Tencent. Uh, those trades continue to work on a weaker dollar, and, and I would stay, stay with that trade. Um, let's say we do get stimulus, uh, and that's what the bond market is, in fact, telegraphing, Karen. Then, then which sectors do you think get, get the biggest bumps? I think banks, I mean, the combination of the steeper spread, steeper yield curve with the stimulus, actually, as for, for banks, DFS uh, reported uh, Discovery Financial Services, decent numbers tonight. And that's important because of their credit quality, which was actually better than expected. So banks, I think, would be a big beneficiary. I also think industrials, cyclicals. So I, I have to disagree with my esteemed colleague, Guy, a little bit. I think that bond selling off is actually could be consistent with the economy improving, which would also be helped, of course, by stimulus. So I don't think in the short term that's necessarily a bad thing. We can talk more later at another time about, you know, losing control of our of our currency. That's a bad thing. That's why I own Bitcoin, which I know we'll get to later. But. Uh, For the shorter term, I think it could all be consistent with a growing economy. On this issue, Dan, Team Guy or Team Karen? (laughs) Team nobody. What are we talking about here? We're talking about (laughs) stimulus and announcement? Like... Just so you know, the Democratic House passed the second stimulus bill months ago. The president didn't think it was a priority until it became a political priority. And the the leader of the, the Senate... 
doesn't even want to pass it. So who cares if, if Mnuchin and Pelosi agree on a deal that the president agrees with? It's not going to pass in the Senate. And if it did pass in the Senate, the money wouldn't get to citizens or small businesses for weeks anyway. So I don't know what we're talking about here. All right. Coming up, we are jumping back on the earnings train with the latest numbers from Las Vegas Sands, Whirlpool, and CSX. All the details behind these moves next. And later, Intel has missed out on the semi-surge this year. Will its report tomorrow help turn that chip ship around? We got the trade when Fast Money returns. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Fast Money. We have got earnings alerts on Las Vegas Sands, CSX, and Whirlpool. All three stocks on the move in the after-hour session. Full team coverage standing by to break down all the results. Contessa Brewer on LVS, Frank Holland on CSX. But we start off with Leslie Picker and the big move in Whirlpool. Leslie. Hey, Melissa, that's right. Whirlpool shares up up over 4% right now, up as much as 10% after first reporting their earnings, beating on both the top and bottom lines, reinstating guidance, upping the dividend. The company clearly benefiting from this whole home renovations trend we've been seeing. Whirlpool, of course, makes a host of appliances, including the ones under its namesake brand, as well as KitchenAid, Maytag, and others. Now, the bottom line was the real standout here. EPS coming in at 6 91 per share on an adjusted basis, a whopping 65% higher than the 420 that the street was expecting. Revenue came in more than a half billion dollars above where analysts were expecting. Top line growth in North America, if we're going to be picky here, that was a bit soft, down 1.6%, which the company attributes to COVID-related supply constraints and already has a pretty elevated backlog in that region. Now, CEO Mark Blitzer notes in the statement that the company is, quote, well positioned to capitalize on that structural improvement in housing and consumer trend uh, that we mentioned just a little bit ago. And here's something you don't see every day in 2020. Yes, there's guidance. Whirlpool is reinstating guidance and projecting full year EPS to come in between 1750 and 18 bucks a share well above the street's estimate of 13.71 a share also sees revenue down 5 to 7% uh, that's less than half the decline that the street was expecting relative to 2019 levels whirlpool increased its dividend to $1.25 a share the conference call for this company's earnings will be tomorrow morning. Melissa. Leslie, thank you. By the way, that full year uh, guidance that's 27% above where the street was. Tim, this was your fast pitch. So kudos to you on this one. Um, what'd you make of the quarter? Yeah. 
I, I believe this one was voted down. So, folks, watch what you do on those power pitches. Uh, the story here is the fact that North America, yeah, down small, but this was supposed to be down 11, 12 percent. The fact that they've reinstated guidance, maybe more importantly, is that Europe was very profitable and, and Middle East Africa. The story, uh, we've talked about it, whether we've talked about housing, whether we've talked about building materials. This is a great way to play it and, and mention that this is actually the largest position in the XHB, in the Home Builders ETF. And at 14 times, um, relative to itself, this is not expensive. Uh, I, look, I'm, I'm four units of those sales in the third quarter. I know what's going on out there. I also know how long it's taken people to get some of these, uh, some of these appliances. And I think some of that is actually alleviating. Margins are better in North America, despite sales down, tells you uh, the direction here. So I, I like this story. I like Train. I like Carrier. I like Otis. I like HVAC. Uh, I think you can own them all. This underscores, Karen, the strength of the home trade going on these days. Yes, it definitely does. Kudos to Tim for that pitch. And I think uh, Tony Braxton downgraded it that night, I think, in a pretty aggressive way. So uh, good for him. I I, I like the story. I mean, I'm sad I don't own it. I feel like, wow, this is one I kind of could have owned. Whereas Zoom, that goes crazy. I don't feel like, wow, I should have owned it. That's not my kind of thing. This really is my kind of thing. I do own Lowe's and Home Depot, which, you know, they will correlate very closely, but not 100%. So I don't know. I like this story. It makes me, um, you know, more optimistic about the consumer and the economy. I think we might have even played the dance version of Unbreak My Heart that night. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I mean, it was that bad, yeah. that bad. Um, let's move on to CSX now, the railroad <laughs> operator, also higher in the after-hour session. Let's get to Frank Holland with more. Hey, Frank. Hey there, Melissa. You know, the $5 billion increase to CSX's stock buyback program, probably the biggest headline out of this quarter. That will be in addition to the $1.1 billion remaining under the previous program. Shares moving more than 3.5% higher after the East Coast Rail Operator reported EPS that was $0.03 above estimates and also a miss on revenue. Overall, the revenues declined year over year by about 11%. And when you look closer... You see why. The merchandise segment, that's autos, agriculture, et cetera, where CSX gets about two-thirds of its revenue. Those volumes fell by 7%. Coal volumes, those fell by 27%. Not really a shock there. Intermodal or container shipping, only growth area for CSX. That volume increased by 7%. However, the revenues there were flat. CSX actually benefiting from a tightening truck market where some of that business has spilled over into rails few other highlights. The company is saying it expects a robust peak season with volumes picking up right around Thanksgiving. CEO Jim Foote says Q4 volumes are already higher year over year. Also, the CSX has no plans to lower its prices to attract volume. So again, after a beat on EPS and announcing a $5 billion share buyback program, CSX shares trading about 3.5% higher in after hours. Back over to you. Frank, thank you. Frank Holland. Now let's get to Contessa Brewer with the details on Las Vegas Sands. Contessa. Look, their numbers were good. They beat both on the top and bottom lines. The real story came on the call when they gave us insight into how things are going right now in October. One, there's been a resurgence, finally, in Macau. They say post-Golden Week, they really saw visitation ramp up, that they're on track, if this keeps up, to start turning a profit again and get away from that cash burn. Two, they've seen a strong recovery in their retail malls there in Macau. Three, Singapore. They have turned a profit in Singapore in locals only business. So it's really remarkable. There's no tourism in Las Vegas on the weekends. They're now seeing 70% occupancy. They're really waiting to get that midweek business back with group business. And they've got a plan to figure that out, how to welcome back conventions and conferences. And by the way, finally, Sheldon Adelson starts 
every earnings call, or at least it used to, with yay dividends. They were asked when they will resume dividends, and they said they're not there yet. They really think there's a lot of uncertainty around coronavirus, and so they're holding off. Melissa? Contessa, thank you. Contessa Brewer on LVS. Guy Dami, your pick, CSX or LVS? Uh, LVS, they, I don't know what they're giving away at Marina Bay Sands, but you just look at the outlier that that, um, that property was in terms of the rest <laughs> of the property. It's, it's staggering. I'm just looking. Occupancy was close to 56%. I think the next closest was at 43.5%. I mean, maybe Tony Braxton did a residency there and people were flocking to see her. In turn, so I would say LVS. CSX, real quick. Uh, Frank did a great job. Go back and look. I know Dan is looking at this because I'm inside Dan's head. But the high back in May of 2019 was 81 and a half, 82, which is exactly where we're trading now. Uh, I'm, my inclination is to take profit CSX, stay with LVS. Dan, is uh, Guy Dami indeed in your head? He's always in my head. I, I, you know, he, he is correct. But here, here's a situation where this is a very reasonably priced stock. And if you really want to play for a reflation trade, this is the way to do it. It's only up 8% of the year. Playing for a multi-year breakout makes a lot of sense. I want to make one point, though, about Karen and Tim patting each other on the back on that Whirlpool trade, feeling better about the U.S. consumer. I mean, we kind of talked about this the other day, and Netflix down 7% today tells you you should be a little worried about that pull forward in demand trade here. People were forced to be home. They had money put in their bank accounts. They couldn't spend on a lot of things. And if you were waiting to buy a new washer or dryer or this and that or whatever, and you're sitting around in your smelly clothes all day between Zoom calls and dealing with your kids, you buy a new dryer. Okay, so that doesn't give me any reason to believe that this is like the start of some great cyclical movement in like the uh, appliance trade. Well, it doesn't make me feel better about the U.S. consumer. I think that it's a good point. I mean, is there a certain amount of pull forward to this? Because there are only so many. I mean, Tim, you said three units this quarter. You're likely not going to replace those three units for probably five to ten years. I don't don't know. I I think there's built in obsolescence. And I think we should wash Dan's (laughs) mouth out with soap. I mean, look, Netflix is is expensive netflix and again we don't need to go into the whole netflix story but this is apples and oranges the trends in home building and and zero rates let's fix up our homes and yeah at some point let's buy new appliances maybe maybe there was pent-up demand but maybe we pulled forward something you can't like if we're going to throw this trade for whirlpool out the window how about all the other ones that have been attached to it um and 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 i just don't see it i think netflix sold out for a reason it was expensive i don't think they can sustain that growth but that's my view Yes, Guy, with your hand raised so politely. There's nothing more satisfying than mm. being able to take that lint thing out and get the entire thing of lint in one fell swoop. You know what I'm talking about? So That's you don't my have to, least you don't have to favorite sort of, aspect right? of the dryer, the lint off, thing. And then you roll it up. Although and it you means you're it leaving up. it in too long. Somebody should come up with a... You must no, have, you clean it out after every, yeah. every uh, yeah. dry. Otherwise and sometimes things fires. have more lint know, than but other you don't things. Get, Otherwise, you risk fire. Thank you, Mel. This is a PSA to all of you who have dryers at home. Make sure your lint trap is I'm, clean. I'm, I'm trying. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying. <laughs> they should come up, by the way, quickly, Mel. They should come up. No, they should come up with a dryer that is a self-lint cleaning dryer. I would love that. Uh, that personally. would be genius. I'm okay. sure Dan would be all over that one. I'd, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm sure. Uh, coming up, we're going to move I think, on. Here. I think we're inviting our know. viewer to go get their lint trap cleaned right now. <laughs> I think so. it's, a, it's a good time. We're so going to take a break right now. Go clean out your lint trap. Whirlpool. 
Coming up. Go by Whirlpool. Tesla's earnings call is just getting underway. We're listening in. We'll bring you all the big headlines. But first, Bitcoin prices soaring to their highest level in nearly three years. What PayPal just did that got the crypto creeping higher today. Fast Money's back in two. Welcome back to Fast Money PayPal. Cashing in on the crypto craze, a payment company announcing a new feature that will allow users to buy, sell and hold cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin. The news sending Bitcoin soaring more than 7 percent to its highest level of the year. And our next guest is a crypto pro who says PayPal just gave a major stamp of approval for the entire crypto space. Joining us now is CoinShares Chief Strategy Officer Melton Demures. Melton, great to see you. It's been a while. It has been a while. I feel like uh, Bitcoin's exciting again, so here we are. It's uh, great to be back. Here we are. In fact, we have the Bitcoin bug back up in the corner uh, because it's gotten so exciting now. Why do you think this is a major move uh, for PayPal? I mean, we thought that it would be a major thing when Square did it. We thought it would be a major thing when so many other companies have done similar moves, allowing their customers to have Bitcoin wallets. Yeah, so look, Square has been really exciting. A number of different fintechs, including Revolut, SoFi, Robinhood, also offer crypto. But what's really exciting here is Venmo, which is owned by PayPal, has 300 million active users. They're millennials. They're all the target audience for Bitcoin. They're the types of investors who are interested in holding Bitcoin. So in terms of retail exposure to digital currencies, PayPal is the largest distribution channel available in the United States. And their willingness to include cryptocurrency in their offering is phenomenally exciting. It's going to be a huge on-ramp for consumers. Uh, In terms of merchants, there are 26 million merchants on PayPal. What if only a very small fraction of them accept Bitcoin or any of the other uh, coins that are that that a consumer can buy, sell or hold through PayPal? Does that make a difference, Meltem? Are we are we at a point where it needs to be more widely accepted? No, not really. Look, the important thing to remember is in this initial iteration of this offering, it's really going to be a walled garden, meaning that cryptocurrencies are not going to leave the PayPal environment. So nobody is um, bringing in crypto from outside the PayPal environment. It's sort of an internal ecosystem. And eventually, I think this is paving the way for PayPal launching its own cryptocurrency. If you recall, uh, PayPal was part of the initial Facebook Libra consortium. They dropped out this time last year, actually. And so I wouldn't be surprised if in the next six to 12 months we see PayPal launching its own digital currency, similar to a digital dollar that we see in many payments companies in the Asia Pacific region in particular. Karen, do you have a question? Yeah, Yeah, um, thanks for being on. Do you think that things like this PayPal announcement are the next leg of the Bitcoin story Or do you think that it's something like um, the U.S. currency devaluation, the U.S. currency or fiat currencies, um, which is sort of a bigger macro story? Yeah, so at CoinShares, we now manage a billion dollars in crypto assets under management. And largely what we've seen is institutions are not really yet ready to engage with Bitcoin. Uh, Many of them are interested, they're learning, but until someone takes the first step, they're not going to be the first to move and start allocating to Bitcoin or launching Bitcoin products. So in the interim, I think the first step we have is corporates embracing Bitcoin as a new revenue center. Obviously, 3% of Square's gross profit is now driven by crypto sales on Cash App. 
that's really promising. Other corporates have added Bitcoin to their balance sheets. Uh, Square announced they put half percent of their corporate cash into Bitcoin. So I think in the near term, a lot of what we're seeing is those initial bridges between Bitcoin and the broader payments ecosystem being built out. And over time, I do think we'll see more meaningful engagement from other financial institutions who see a hugely lucrative opportunity by offering crypto products and services, not only to retail consumers and speculative traders, but also to institutions who want to hold it long term and who are buying into the store value narrative, particularly in the current zero interest rate environment. Malcolm, great to see you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Malcolm Demurs of CoinShares. Dan Nathan, importance for PayPal versus the importance for crypto here. Uh, yeah, I think it's more, I think she did a great job describing it. I think the, the store of value is the reason, I guess, why you own Bitcoin right here. So I think it's more important to Bitcoin. Um, she makes a great point about the Venmo and the 300 million active users as being a great on-ramp for those people to get into crypto. I just don't know the reason for them to get into it right now other than the investment store of value reason. And I think you asked the question, Mel, because there just aren't the use cases right now. So to me, yes, great opportunity to be set up. Should Bitcoin be up $1,000 on this? I'm not sure, it's just not my bag right now. But um, to me, it's a good story um, for PayPal, I guess. Karen, just quickly, should it be up $1,000 off of this? I mean, it is kind of your bag, at, at least right now. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree with Dan. Sadly, I agree with Dan. That seemed like quite a reaction for, uh, you know, it's nice news. I don't think it's, you know, thousand is a lot. Yeah. Coming up, we are getting crafty. The two big calls that sent Pinterest shares popping today, plus earnings season in full swing. Intel's set to report tomorrow. We'll tell you how the options traders are playing the stock. Stick around. More Fast Money straight ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time for our call of the day. Check out shares of Pinterest popping higher after both Bank of America and Goldman Sachs upgraded the stock to a buy. The analyst noting strong user growth, increasing online ad spending and optimism following Snap's strong results as key reasons for this upgrade. Shares of Pinterest are up more than 165 percent this year. Um, guys, since you're the active Pinterest user among this lot, what are your thoughts here on these upgrades on these uh, price target increases? I'm sure I'm sure we're going to throw my Pinterest page up while I say this. And yes, early adopter without question. Rick Heitzman's been talking about this for a while. This is a U.S. ARPU story, but it's an international MAU story. And the international growth is there. I think they have 320 odd million people internationally. If they can just grow the ARPU again, second time I've said that in 30 seconds, uh, to a reasonable level, this stock should be much higher than it is. Goldman on the back of it now, Bank of America. It's had a huge run. I think it continues to run into earnings, which I believe are on October 28th. Mel, stay with Pinterest and follow me on the Pinterest. Across the board, Dan, Nathan, um, social stocks got a huge boost today because of Snap. Is that warranted? I don't think so. I, I mean, listen, you know, I just don't think it's particularly natural or particularly healthy and says much about the broad market move that we're in right now. When you have a stock like Snapchat gain 30 percent um, in one fell swoop, you know, just to speak to uh, Pinterest here, you know, since they last reported, the stock is up 100 percent. You know, it's got a 30 billion dollar market cap. It trades at 20 times sales. <laughs> I'm all in with Rick. I'm all in on Guy's page. You saw him. He pinned me up there um, at one point. But I just don't. 
you know, listen, this is uh, it's crazy town right now here. So I just think you want to be careful now chasing these names that got upgraded after the Snapchat thing into their results. And Pinterest does report October 28th. I get that. But there must be some sort of read through. I mean, if advertising revenues were that strong for Snap um, and it, there was evidence that perhaps the demand was actually stronger as the quarter went on, Karen, that should, in theory, be good news for Google and for Facebook, et cetera. Yeah, I think it, not just in theory, I think in practice it will be good news for them unless one thinks that they're losing share. And I think the pie is just growing. So I would rather be in, in Facebook, which I am, and Google uh, for that. I, I agree with Dan on the valuation for Pinterest and even a snap. Even with that great quarter, that revenue growth was phenomenal. But I'd much rather be in Facebook. Coming up, we'll break down how options traders are playing Intel into earnings and why it could be another big breakdown for this stock. And don't miss an all-new Mad Money tonight. Jim is sitting down with the CEOs of Pioneer Natural Resources and Parsley Energy following their deal. That's tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern time, right here on CNBC. Don't go anywhere. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Intel's on deck to report tomorrow. If you recall, Intel's last earnings release was a complete disaster for the stock. And options traders are betting tomorrow's results could mean more of the same. Mike Coe's got the action. Hey, Mike. Hi, Melissa. So we did see above average options volume in Intel today. Calls outpaced puts by about two to one. And right now the options market is implying a move of about $3 by the end of the week, higher or lower. That's about 5.6% of the current stock price, well lower than the 7.5% that is averaged over the last eight quarters, in part because of that disappointing quarter you just referenced. The most active options were the December 57.5 calls, over 13,000 of those traded. But as we indicated, some of those are actually sales. That included a sale of 3,000 at a dollar and a quarter. And I think those were being used in part to finance the purchase of puts of the same expiration put spreads. And obviously, sellers of calls and buyers of put spreads are probably hedging substantial stock positions. So they're capping the upside at less than 10 percent and want to see some near side protection going into earnings. All right. Thanks for that, Mike. Mike Coe. And for more options action, be sure to tune into the full show Friday, 530 p.m. Eastern time. Up next, final trade. Time for the final trade, Tim. Tony Braxton, great singer, bad judge of Whirlpool. Stay long the stock on this breakout. <laughs> Dan Nathan. Yeah, DraftKings down 35% in just three weeks. I think you buy it here with a really tight stop here at 40. Karen Feinerman. Yes, much Dan's sugar. And I do believe in some sort of stimulus. I don't know exactly when, but it's good for the consumer. So I'm long Walmart. Guy Dami. Check those lint traps, Mel. Very important. We don't want any uh, dryer fires. fires. Very yeah. bad. With that said, free, Freeport MacMoran, FCX. <laughs> Thanks for watching Fast Money. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Meantime. Don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.